All right. Good morning. Continuing our uh, run through the New Testament, the order it's written. Uh, we're now going to talk about Colossians. We did Ephesians last week, Colossians this week, and Philemon next week. You got Philemon. Philippians. Is it Philippians or Philemon? I'll do whatever, but I thought on the schedule it says right. Philippians. Do Philippians. And we'll do Philemon the week after that then. Uh, yeah, so if he does Philippians, he gets to show you more pictures of the Middle East. So, uh, So... Obviously, we're doing Colossians. Let's see if I can get my thing to switch. Maybe. Maybe. Come on. It's kind of old. My computer's getting old and crotchety. It doesn't want to switch. What? So, uh, if I can get... Shut it down so we can back up. Your cursor at least works. Uh, cursor working. I'm trying to find it on the my out over there. Are you painting? Yes. I'm not. Man, that was a laughter. Yeah. 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 All right, let's talk about Colossians. Uh, we did Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Philemon are the next four books. Uh, they're the Pauline epistles uh, from prison. Although they call it from prison, we'll talk. We'll talk a little bit about it. He's not really. He's in prison, sort of. Uh, as you remember, if you go back to Romans three weeks ago, he wrote to the Romans who had never been to Rome and said, I'm coming to see you. He, he was in Corinth, and he says, I'm taking a collection up because there's a big famine in Jerusalem, and I'm going to take the money back to Jerusalem, then I'm coming through Rome on my way to Spain because no one's, I need to plant churches in Spain. Uh, and so Paul is in Corinth. He is going to get on a boat. If you go to Acts, uh, the last seven chapters of Acts tell you how Paul ends up in Rome. He is going to get on a boat, and he finds out the Jews, who really, really, really don't like Paul, <coughs> have people on the boat who are going to kill him. Uh, I know it sounds funny that the Jews who are very religious kill people, but if you think about this, you know, there's four political parties in uh, Judaism. Sadducees, Pharisees, Essenes, and the Zealots. The Zealots' job is they want to kill everybody. Uh, they want to kill the Romans. They want to kill anyone that steps outside of uh, mainstream Judaism. They're uh, Zealots, which is the interesting part is about three or four out of the twelve apostles are Zealots. Just think about it. In the Garden of Gethsemane, who had a sword? Peter. Peter. Uh, you only carried swords as if you were a zealot. Um, that's not like what everybody carried around. So, I mean, it's like, where did he know to get a sword? 
you know, he had a, he knew some of the guys. We, we know uh, James and John were probably zealots based on some of their, because uh, you think about it, when they, when they go through Samaria, what do they want to do? People won't listen to them. Nuke them. I mean, that's a zealot act. That's the way the zealots thought. You're either for me or you're dead. So, you know, Paul goes up and, you know, he crosses over into Thessalonica, Berea. The Jews try to kill him. And they, for the next, we're now 10 years after that original thing. The Jews are still trying to kill him. And so he finds out that if he gets on this boat that's going to go to Ephesus, that they're going to kill him. So what he does is go by land, back up through Greece, over and down to Ephesus. And then he's collecting money as he goes. And then he has his farewell uh, area, <coughs> gets to Ephesus. He meets the guys and says, you know, this is the last time I'm going to be here. Because Paul's, Paul's getting old. We're talking, this is 80, 59, 60. So Paul is probably getting close to 60. He's 55, 60. Watch and, it. I know. <laughs> so that's, I mean, in those days, that's ancient. And so Paul's thinking, yeah, I'm probably not going to make it back to this part of Greece again. Especially if I'm going to Rome and I'm going to go on to Spain. Uh, and so he ends up uh, have, telling them, you know, taking the money, and then he gets on a boat and goes back to Jerusalem. When he gets in Jerusalem, uh, if you flip over into Acts, uh, he gets, he walks up, he delivers the money to the Jerusalem church, and then he goes to the temple, and he takes with him, part of his entourage is Jewish, part of his entourage is Greek. And so he takes the Jewish part of the guys with him, and they go to the temple. Uh, and there he gets arrested. And then the, there's such a big commotion that the legion commander for the Romans, because remember, what, if you go back to Becca's uh, talk, what is, the, what is on every t-shirt that every Romans has? Peace and security. Peace. There's this big riot occurring in the, in the temple. The Romans come in, and they grab Paul, because he's clearly the source of the problem. He grabs him, they take him away. Uh, and then... Paul, this is where Paul pulls out. Uh, there's a very interesting scene in there where the legion commander uh, orders him. He goes, well, I'm going to find out the truth. I'm going to put you on the rack. I'm going to whip you. And he leaves. They put Paul on the rack. And before they hit him, Paul asks the guy who's about to hit him, he goes, is it legal to whip a Roman? Because the answer is no, you cannot. Uh, and the guy goes, well, no. He goes, well, I'm a Roman. And then he, he has a little, Romans have a little thing they carry with them. It's like, like your social security card. It says, I'm a Roman. So they pull that out of his clothes, and then the guy goes against the legion commander and goes, hey, problem. You're about, you, you ordered me to whip a Roman. And then the legion commander comes down and goes, oh, let's, this is a problem. So you need to go see Felix. Felix is in Caesarea. You guys were in Caesarea, weren't you? Maritime. Yeah, down on the coast. Because nobody lives in Jerusalem because it's on top of the hill. It's, in those days, it's a trash city. Everyone lives on the coast. So the Jews decide they're going to kill Paul on the trip. 
they have 40 guys that say, we won't eat and drink until we kill Paul. Because you're the zealots. They know they're going to die because the Romans do not take kindly to people attacking them. They, they have about a 10 to 1 rule. If you kill one Roman, they're going to kill 10 of you. That's how they kept the peace. So Paul goes down to the coast uh, with 300 or 600, depending on how you read it, Romans in the middle of the night. Gets down and then uh, has a trial in front of is it Felix Festus. Mm -hmm. Festus first. And then Festus goes, you've not done anything. And then the Jews come down and say, we want, why don't you have the trial in, have the trial in Jerusalem? Because they want to kill him on the way up there. He says, no, I appeal to Rome. Uh, he's a Roman citizen, he's allowed to do that. Uh, and so he's under house arrest in Caesarea. Felix comes in, replaces Festus, uh, talks to Paul. He looks for a bribe. Paul won't pay the bribe. So he goes, off, off to Rome you go. So gets in a boat. This is where he gets shipwrecked, uh, spends the winter, finally gets to Rome. Uh, the church in Rome meets him. Uh, he gets put under house arrest. He's not in prison. Uh, so he's in, he's in a, a believer's house. There's just a praetorian guard with him 24 hours a day. And so Paul's got his little group with him. And it's here that he writes the letters that we're talking about. Because he knows he can't leave Rome, but he hears things. People go back and forth. So uh, they come from uh, Ephesus and tell him some of the issues. And so he writes Ephesians. Uh, at the same time, he has... One of his guys comes back from uh, Colossae, which is, if you see the map, Colossae is just inland from Ephesus, and says, hey, there's some good things and some problems here. And so Paul writes uh, these three letters, and then he's going to write Philippians. Philippians is a little different area. So if you've Look at the end of Ephesians, if I can find it in my fancy digital Bible. seconds. Uh, we'll go to the end of Colossians. Uh, you're going to see a guy in here. In the seventh verse of the fourth chapter of Colossians, uh, Tychius, our beloved brother, faithful servant, and our bond servants, will bring you the information. Tychius is the mailman. He's the guy that started, that came back and talked to him. So he's in with Paul in Rome. And the end of Romans, Paul says, you know, Tychius and a bunch of these guys are with me. He sends Tychius with three letters. Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. They all come at the same time. He's the same mailman. Because the other person that he says he sends with Tychius Onesimus. is Onesimus who is the slave that the, the book Philemon is written about. So Tychius comes across from Rome to Corinth, to Ephesus, up the river to Colossae. Why he goes, he, you know, he drops the letters off, he reads the letters to the Ephesians. 
Then he takes the, the two letters to Colossae. Uh, Philemon lives in Colossae. And so we have a public letter, Colossians, and a private letter, Philemon, that Tychius is going to deliver. And the two of them cross over a lot when you look at kind of what, what Paul is talking about in this. Uh, Colossae was uh, historically, it, it's a, uh, what, what do you call it, the part, you know, city that used to, you know, a part of the city that used to be really wealthy that's now kind of on the downslide, that's Colossae. Uh, because Ephesus used to be nothing. They're, they have now grown and they're on the coast and they're expanded. They're kind of taken up, becoming the head city. So Colossae is an important city. It's just not like it used to be. A hundred years before this, it was very powerful. It's now starting to wane as stuff moves to Lystra, Darby, Ephesus. It's one. Of, it is it's still an important city, but it's not like it used used to be. But it's got a big Jewish population. It has a. It's fairly wealthy, uh, and so Paul writes this letter to them. Uh, he's never been to Colossae. Uh, Colossae was founded by another one. It, it's it's through this we see kind of Paul's method of evangelism. He goes to a major city, sets up, and then he sends his. Titus, Timothy, Tychius, uh, he's got some more names in here, uh, Aristocharchus, all these guys are disciples of his that go out and plant churches. And so uh, they go out, they plant, and then they, give, they come back and talk to Paul, and then that's why Paul writes a lot of these letters. He gets uh, information back from these cities. And so Paul's never been to Colossae, but he's writing this letter from prison to them because information got back that they, they have a problem. They have a, I don't know, it's, compared to Corinth, is it a problem? Probably not. Uh, Corinth had lots more problems, but Colossae is starting to have an issue. Uh, one of the issues of, uh, you get back to who wrote the Bible, is pe some of the people say Paul did not write Colossae. Because A, didn't, he's never been there. And B, the problem he talks about really doesn't become a huge issue for the church for another 100, 150 years. And that's Gnosticism. Uh, Gnosticism uh, is uh, knowledge. So that uh, we, you know, and Gnosticism's been around a long time. In fact, there's huge religions in the United States that are Gnostic. Anyone ever see the documentary on Scientology? 100% Gnosticism, right? You're, you, you come in, you pay a little money, you learn from us. Oh, you want to learn the next amount? Well, it's going to cost you a little bit. And you, know, and you step up steps as you pay money. The same thing occurred in the first century. There, there were uh, people that came in that said, well, you know, Paul's told you part of the story. He's not told you the whole story. And so for a little support, support me, and I'll tell you the rest of the story that'll allow you to move up and be a better Christian, a more thorough Christian. And so that's when you look at you, know, you look at James, you look at Thessalonians, you look at Corinthians. Paul constantly goes back to no, it's the gospel, the gospel alone, which is you know love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. That's really the gospel in, in a nutshell. And so Paul says it's not 
You know, that's the whole thing. You're not, you're saved by the, you don't have to earn salvation. And, you know, you, you look in uh, Romans, you know, he talks about, you know, salvation, sin, salvation, sanctification, and service in that order. You know, because that's his theology. Uh, and so he repeats that on shorter orders in some of these other books. So you get to, you get to Colossians. Uh, and so the, the, it's only four chapters long. If I can get it to load, it's only four chapters long. I know. The, the paper legalist over here in the corner if you had a Bible, you'd be able to turn <laughs> It is a he writes it as a polemic and, and you can pick up on Gnosticism in a lot of ways. Yeah, he he refers to these people that are coming in and telling you there's more to it as super apostles. Yeah, that's when he, these so-called super, super apostles and uh, any time he talks about knowledge, that's what because Gnosticism is from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. Right. And so, and that's you know, that's his thing. Is you remember Paul? You know, because a lot of these churches, Paul was there three weeks, founded the church, and left. Because he's because the the essence of the gospel is simple. Anyone can pick it up. And so Paul is constantly reiterating this every time he's writing one of these books. Is that no? It's simple gospel. Simple gospel. You know, Christ died for you. You're already saved. You live because you are saved, not in order to earn your salvation. Uh, and then, uh, so, Colossians starts with a, uh, you know, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy. So, that alone, uh, because part of what the guys were saying is, you know, because th by this time, Peter has moved into this area, has gone around. Because we know Peter goes to Corinth, and Peter's ending up, within a year or two, Peter's going to end up in Rome. Not, again, not by his choice. Uh, he's going to get arrested and taken to Rome. But Peter's moved in through here. And then, you know, because in Corinthians he says, you know, you're a church of Apollos, you're a church of Peter, you're a church of Paul. You know, all these guys, you know, I, I want to be a disciple of them. He goes, no, 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 you're a disciple of Jesus. And so Paul, by the will of God, basically saying, I'm an apostle and because God made, made me so. And not because I made myself an apostle. That gets back to, we are talking about the super apostles. He says, I'm an apostle because God made me an apostle. Uh, and then, you know, Timothy's with him. Uh, and, yeah, typical to Paul, grace to you and peace from our Father. And then he, he goes into a prayer. Uh, you know, thanks to God. All, Paul is very dense in all his writings. You know, it's, he, he compresses everything down. We give thanks to God our Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love that you have for all saints, we hope, because of the hope you have rescued for you in heaven, of which you, we have previously heard the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, Sandy Collins would be going nuts at this point. He just did like 12 verses and like no periods. <laughs> so somewhere, that's it. She's she's in Vandy or NHC. Sandy's looking at us, going like, "Wait a minute, that's not how you write a sentence." Paul does. He runs on like forever. It's like that's what makes him so hard to read. Is that he'd run on, run on, run on, run on, run on. He would have flunked English course, English one hundred and one. He also flunks Greek one hundred and one, but that's all right. 
Uh, and then uh, verse 7, just as you learned it from Epaphras, that's one of Paul's people that went to Colossae and was the original church planter there. Uh, for this, we have never ceased praying for you that you may fulfill the knowledge, back to knowledge, of his will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit with good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened, semicolon, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all perseverance and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in this heritage of the saints in the light. Again, Paul's saying, now it's about, it is about knowledge, but it's about the right <coughs> It's not about these men who come here. You have to understand, because he says it's all about look at the fruit. He's starting this concept. In the, in the book of Ephesians, he talks about that a lot, fruit. You, you look in Galatians, because you know, Galatians, all, this is all Galatia. He's going to go in, the, they're going to be in that, they're going to see that book, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, here's how you know people are Christian. What's the fruit of what they do? Paul talks about that here. And then, uh, he talks about let's, my, because of the incomparable Christ, he re rescued us from darkness, transfers to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Back to the basic gospel. And then we flip on uh, down to verse 24. Paul talks about, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Because Paul's in prison. In my flesh I am supplementing what is lacking in the church's afflictions on behalf of his body, which is the church. That I was made a minister of this church according to the commission which God granted me for your benefit, that I may carry out the preaching of the word of God. So Paul is reinforcing again, I, I am the apostle. These other guys who are coming in don't have the direct commission from God. And I think that you know, that, that's really what the, the Gnostics are getting into is that, you know, Paul, Paul told you part, but he didn't tell you all. And so Paul's now in this letter saying, no, I, God told me and I told you. And then once we, we go to Colossians 2, uh, he gets back. And I want you to know what a great struggle I have on your behalf, and for those who are at Laodicea, Laodicea is next door, and for those who have not personally seen my faith. Remember, Paul has never been to Colossae. So some people, you, you travel, and some people have seen him and moved back. Other people in Colossae have not. Uh, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, that they retain all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding resulting in the true knowledge of God's mystery. That is, in Christ itself. That, that's a hard translation into English, God's mystery. Because the concept, because we read that and say, oh, there's still a mystery. And Paul's saying, no, 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 there is no mystery. The mystery is that the answer to the mystery, the question, if you will, is Jesus. So Jesus is the answer. Uh, Once again, that's a Gnostic reference, mystery and hidden. Yeah, because it, 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 it's all it's all this teaching of uh, 
Yeah, it's yeah. I, I know you think you know what you mean, but yeah, there, there's an extra mystery. And once you once you figure it out, oh, there's another mystery. There's you know it's hidden from you. Let, let, let me tell you that. But it all comes also back to a lot of the Gnostics were also all about money because you had to pay your way up in Gnosticism, just like uh, you know multiple religions that are here today. You, you have to pay your way up the up the ladder. If you've not seen the Scientology, it's on Netflix. Netflix, I think. It's a very, very interesting documentary. Because you know, we, we like to think that we're above some of this. Just watch the Scientology, and you see like some really high-powered people caught in this exact thing of somebody else knows something. You know, I'm willing to pay my way up, and it's a very interesting. And so as, as he's rolling through chapter 2, uh, uh, there's verse 8. See to it that there is no one who takes you captive through philosophy and empty description in accordance with human tradition, in accordance with the elementary principles of the world, rather than accordance with Christ. Back to Gnosticism again. So the, these guys are leading... And the, the Gnosticism in Colossae in the first century is this weird mixture of Judaism as well as some of the Greek philosophies. And so you have some Gnostics who are saying, well, you know, I know Paul told you that, you know, you really don't have to be Jewish, but if you really want to know what, you know, what God really has in store for you, you really do need to keep kosher, and, you know, you need to dress the dress, and you really need, you know, being Jewish Christian is better than being a Gentile Christian. Because, the, you know, the Jews have had the knowledge for a lot longer. And so they're wiser than this than we are. So that's part of Gnosticism in this century, in that part of uh, what is now Turkey. And then the other part of Gnosticism is that you get the separation of knowledge and body. Uh, and so he kind of gets into that next. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in the bodily form, and that you have been made complete, and he is head over every ruler and authority. In him you are also circumcised with the circumcision performed without hands, and the removal of the body of the flesh of the circumcision of Christ, having buried with him through baptism, in which... You were raised with him through the faith of the working God who was raised him from the dead. Because again, the Judaizers are coming, the Gnostic Judaizers come in and say, well, yeah, you need, you know, circumcision is important. Because because all the Greeks are not circumcised. They go, well, you can be a, you know, you're, you're kind of a B Christian. I can make you an A Christian, right? But you gotta keep you gotta keep all the rules. That includes circumcision. Paul basically said, as he has in several of his other letters, circumcision is not the thing. It's belief in Christ. And that uh, the circumcision, if you will, is the, bapt is the act of baptism, which uh, God instructed Christ to do, teach us when he came down. So basically, the circumcision is what's very important. The baptism is what's important, not the circumcision. 
So the Jew, non-Jew, said, that's not the thing. It's, are you baptized? Are you a believer? Uh, and take care that, no, in verse 18, that no one keeps defrauding you of your prize by delighting in humility and the worship of angels, <coughs> taking his stands on visions that he has seen, inflated by his cause, by his own fleshly mind, and not hold firmly to the head from the entire body, being supplied, held together by joints, ligaments, grows with growth in the word of God. Again, Gnosticism. You know, I had a vision, and God told me this. He, he told me to do this. We see this all the time in modern religion. Uh, another, another great documentary on PBS is The Mormons. Uh, you ever just watch a movie? <laughs> Every once in a while, we, we get in, we get in these documentary terrors. You, you know, you, you watch the first one, you go, "Oh, this is so interesting," and you finish them out. But there's a, there's a great one if you if you're not seen. It's PBS about the Mormons. Uh, very interesting. He talks exactly. But you talk about visions, and yeah, and, you know, because we always, I always sort of thought the Mormons just kind of started and you know completed. No, he has a series of visions over like ten years that. As problems come up, he has a new vision, and they change it. Uh, but it's it's also a very interesting document. If you ever do restoration history, when the Mormons came out of Pennsylvania and New York, that's where we split with them. So we have roots with the Mormons. Watch it. Yes. <laughs> I'm, per, I'm, I'm fairly sure at this point, uh, having gone to Lipscomb, we don't have any gold books. I don't think <laughs> At least not that they told me. That may be Gnosticism. Maybe I'm not. I'm not high enough in the uh, the knowledge. I'm actually, one of the elders. Do we have a gold book? Nothing I'm worried about. All right, just check. It. Just check. Forgot where we put them. We had one, but we lost. Which is also another good documentary on the murder that occurred in uh, in Salt Lake City about the guy who convinced the uh, Mormon elders that he had one of the golden pages. Uh, he, did, he did not do. He did not also not do well. That's right. You guys need to write these. these that's, a good, that's also a good story of like, this is like kind of like Paul, is that there's a guy that convinces them that he has one of the golden pages. And he ends up dead. Surprising. I don't want your life. That's right. <laughs> yeah, if it has to do with the murder, Jane loves it. <laughs> that's right. I'm, I do make sure she eats all the food before I eat it, though. I'm, not, I'm just saying. I'm just watch all the documentaries. Make sure we eat out of the same dish. <laughs> all right. And so now when you roll into chapter 3 and 4 of Colossians, as typical Paul, it's greeting, theology, practicality. What Paul's about to do in 3 and 4 is... Uh, Begin a revolution, but do it in a very subtle way. The you know if if you go as we went through Matthew and Mark, uh, you know the apostles are looking for a public revolution. They think Jesus is coming to overthrow and overthrow the Romans, put the Jews on the top of the world, and everyone else is going to serve him. And you know that's the whole the gospel is Jesus going no 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 that's not what I'm here for. People still believe it at the time. And so Paul keeps reinforcing the fact that the church, Christianity, you're called to a personal revolution. You're called to change your life. You're not called to create a revolution in culture. 
through force. You, you create a revolution by changing your life and the people around you. And so it's a very subtle revolution. What Paul does in chapters 3 and 4 is attacks the ideal Roman man of the Roman family. Rome was built, its structure was the family unit. What Paul does here is goes after what the Romans were expected to act like and says, now here's how you act if you're a Christian, not if you're a Roman. So it's a very subtle uh, personal attack on uh, if Rome is strength and peace, uh, the, the core of Rome was the Roman husband, the father, the head of the family. He was the bedrock in which everything was, was built. Paul's going to do a challenge to that individual and everyone else. So as you roll in to chapter 3, it says, uh, If you have been raised with Christ, i.e., are you, if you're a real Christian... Keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seen at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on those on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will be revealed to Him in His glory. Therefore, treat parts of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. He just described what the average Roman head of the household did every day. Because Remember, we talked about the fact that all these, especially Ephesus, which had you know, a huge temp, Diana temple, but probably 70 other temples at it. And so, you would second, a lot of, the, a lot of uh, the temple of Aphrodite was all about having sex with the temple workers. That was your, that was your worship. Uh, and so that's what a Roman guy would do. I would go sacrifice the temple, I'd go have sex with the priestess, and then I'm good. And so, and you're also, Rome was about uh, grabbing power for yourself, money, uh, raising your clan and your family up so that they were more important. Uh, and so, literally in verse 5 is the description, of, like I said, what a Roman, an ideal Roman man would be doing, and Paul says, that's not right. Uh, and then he's just, he walks down some various things. Uh, verse 8, but now you also rid yourselves of them. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you stripped off the old self of e with its evil practices, but put on the new self, which is being renewed with a true knowledge, back to Gnosticism, and his, the fact that Christianity is superior to Gnostics, a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created it, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. That's a huge slap to the Roman, the Roman people because they're, they're hierarchical to the nth degree. And, and what Paul is now saying is, now under Christ, everybody is the same. 
Uh, it doesn't matter where, you know, and same thing is what the Jew, Jewish Gnostics were teaching was that you had to be a Jew to be a better Christian than a Gentile. And he just says, no, no, you're not. Gentile, Jew, the same. Circumcised, uncircumcised, the same. Slave, free, the same. Uh, remember, you know, in Rome at this time, 20 to 40 percent of the population of Rome were slaves. Not, not, I mean, not Rome city, Rome, the entire Roman Empire. 20 to 40 percent are probably slaves. So, what Paul says about slavery is very important. When two weeks, when we get to Philemon, it's extreme. The entire letter is about slaves because Anismus is a slave that runs away. And Paul teaches Philemon, who's a wealthy individual, here's how you relate to slaves. And you're going to see a, a taste of it at the end of this letter. Because remember, Philemon lives in Colossae. Uh, and those who have chosen God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, whoever has complained against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, you must do also. And in addition to all these things, put on the perfect bond of unity. We've heard that theme before from Paul. Unity. It's all one in Christ. Let the peace of Christ to which you were indeed called in one body rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching admonishing each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving and heart toward God. All you church of Christers, history, you love that verse. You were taught that verse like in elementary school. Which is why you don't have instrumental music right there, right? Because Paul just told you. Uh, I will tell you that Paul did not tell you that. Because their worship was totally different than what we think it was. Uh, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to him through God the Father. So, again, he, he, he circles everything around and comes back to Christ and God. Here's how you live as a Christian. All right, now your Bible probably says the next are family relations. He's going after the structure of the Roman family here in a very subtle way. Because you can't call for an overthrow of the Roman government. Because what happens if you do that? You either get crucified or if you're not a Roman or you get your head chopped off. He's, about, he's going to get his head chopped off in about five years from now uh, for what the Romans think are trying to overthrow the Roman government. So he is, he is telling people that you know, you're not called to revolution. You're called to uh, creating yourself in the image of, of Christ. So wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do, be, do not become bitter against them. Uh, in the Romans, marriages were primarily arranged, and they were 95% political. They were about uh, creating clan ties or family ties. So he's, what he's talking to him is that, no, you really should love each other. And the husbands, love your wives and don't just... Uh, divorce Divorce was also common. Uh, you know, make sure that you're not that you're treating them the way Christ, you, Christ wanted. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not antagonize your children so that they will not become discouraged. Uh, it is very hierarchical. 
and to the Roman father did not tend to see his children. Remember, most wealthy Roman families, the heir was adopted in. It was not always, it was act, not often was it your children. You would adopt in your heir. It was usually a, you know, a cousin or a nephew or a great whatever, but there's a lot of adoptions occurring. And so what he's telling the, the ideal Roman is uh, actually love your children. Then he says slaves, talking to you know, 20 to 40% of the people, obey those who are your human masters, not with eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fear in the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord and not for people. Knowing it is the Lord that you receive the reward of his inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For the one who does wrong will receive consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. So he's now telling the slaves, all right, yeah, I know you would like to kill your masters and get free. But he doesn't call them to rebellion. He says, treat your masters like you're working for Jesus. That is a really hard message. Because they're slaves. They don't control anything about them. And he says, you know, you, you have to work like you're working for God. Uh, and then he flips it. This is the one that would be very hard for Romans to hear. Chapter 4. Masters, grant your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Because there are slave owners in the church. Uh, we'll get to this in Philemon, but notice that he doesn't say free the slaves. He's not calling for an overthrowing of the culture. He is calling for an overhauling of your relationships in the culture, which is love your children, love your wife, Treat your slaves like their fellow brothers in Jesus. Treat them with justice and fairness, because you also have a master. So what he is alluding to there is you're a slave. If you go back to, was it Ephesians? He calls himself a slave. I mean, he does multiple places. But basically what he's saying, remember he says, I'm a slave, I'm a bondservant, which is I'm a slave of Christ. Again, he's telling the masters who have slaves, he's reminding them, you're a slave to Jesus. So, I mean, it's... Some of them are very subtle to us, but it's a very strong teaching to the Colossians. And then telling the, the guys, devote yourself to prayer, keep it alert, praying at all time, that God will open up for us the door for the word, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I have been in prison, that I make it, make it clear in a way that I ought to proclaim it. Uh, your speech must always be with grace, as seasoned with salt, so you know how you should respond. Number seven, as to my friend Tychius, uh, will bring you information. He's bringing the letter. Now he's into the, the typical Pauline end of a letter. Uh, for I have sent him to you with this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances, and he may encourage your hearts. And with him is Onesimus, our faithful beloved brother, who is, who is one of your own. They will inform you about the whole situation here. Onesimus is a slave, and Paul is sending him back saying he's a brother. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, 
he starts talking about the fact that uh, he's got a fellow prisoner, Bar uh, Barnes' cousin Mark, that's John Mark, who writes the book of Mark, is with Paul in Rome. Uh, Jesus, also known as Justice, uh, these are the only Jews with him. Epaphras is one of your own, is a bondservant, again, bondservant, slave of Jesus Christ. Sends you his greetings. Uh, and Luke, who we're, we're going to run into in a little bit, runs, writes the book of Luke and Acts, is with him. Uh, uh, Damas is also a Greek. Uh, greet the brothers and sisters from Laodicea and also Nymphia and the church that's in her house. Uh, when this letter is read, also read in the church of the, the Laodiceans and read the letters coming from Laodicea. We're not sure what that letter, what letter he's talking about here. Is that is there a, a book of Laodicea that we don't have? Possibly. It also may be the book of Ephesians. Because all that area is considered the area around Ephesus. So probably what he's telling him is, because he knows Tychius is bringing the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians. Read that letter. This letter is to you. Read that letter also when it gets to you. Uh, and they tell uh, Archippus, uh, see the ministry which you have been receiving the award that you may fulfill it. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace to you. So that's the end of Corinthians, which is... Paul's discussion with the Corinthians a lot about uh, Gnosticism and the fact that no, let's you need to stay on the basic gospel. It's about the simple thing that either I told you or one of my disciples told you when you started the church. Don't make it complex. And then he gets into the personal relationships, which is like live, treat other people back to the original thing, treat other people like Jesus would treat them. Uh, so you know, the, the, he keeps distilling the gospel down to the very simple parts. The gospel is simple. All right. See you next week, and we're doing Philippians. Philippians.